It's that Seabiscuit clip, great movie, fantastic horse, and a great story. And so we're watching this movie, my, my family and I and, I, and this clip comes up, right, where Tom Smith, the trainer, he's mentioning some things about Seabiscuit as they're running him around the track for the very first time. Now as Seabiscuit is running, you notice in the clip that he's kind of going here and there and, and not really with any direction or with any purpose. And so Tom Smith, the trainer, he says this, he says, yeah, he's fast, but in every direction. And what I mentioned here just a little bit ago is that some of us, similarly to Seabiscuit in that clip, we are living life on purpose, meaning that we are, we are doing life, you know, uh, going through the motions. We are doing work. We're doing family. We're doing church. We're doing it on purpose, but we're not doing it with purpose. There's a big difference between on purpose and with purpose. Now, we may be doing life fast, right? But we're doing it in all these different directions instead of the direction and purpose that God has for us in our life. Now, further in that clip, I mentioned that Tom Smith, he says that Seabiscuit has forgotten what he was born to do. And that's certainly true for you and me a lot of times, especially in the church. We've gotten so used to running in the circles in our lives uh, that we're running in that we've forgotten what we're actually created for. What are we created for? We've been created to live our lives with the wiring and the, and the, the gifting and the calling and the purpose that has been given to us by, by God as the church and as individuals. And then I mentioned also that in that clip, uh, Tom Smith, he says that he just needs Seabiscuit, he just needs to learn how to be a horse again. Now we're, we're starting off in this series, this five-week series, Who Am I? And I just I want to tell you, I'm not going to be talking how to, about how to be a horse, all right? Uh, that's not where this is going. But instead, it kind of gives us a little glimpse as to us in the Christian life, but then in the church, because we need to learn how to be children of the Almighty God, because that is, that is who we are, children with purpose, and so uh, as we venture into this series, we're going to be, like I said, exploring specific aspects of who we are, you know, our, our gifting and our wiring and our calling and our place in the church. That's what we're going to explore in the next four weeks. Today, we're going to set the stage. But to set the stage, what we first need to do is we need to admit and recognize that the Bible says that when we decide to follow Jesus Christ, when we decide to make him the leader of our life, that seminal moment in a Christian's life where we decide, yes, I am going to follow Jesus Christ. The Bible says that you are saved, and then the Bible says that you are then a children you are a child of the Almighty God. That means that those of us who are saved, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ through the blood of Jesus. Now we're going to, at the end of the service, as I mentioned, we're going to take communion together and we're going to remember the sacrifice that Christ became so that once he rose from the dead, defeating death provided a way for us to have life everlasting and for us to be then children of God brothers and sisters in Christ. Now as such, because we are children of God, because we are brothers and sisters in Christ, we are a critical part of something that is much larger 
than you and me, much bigger than you and me. And that is this, you and I are a part of God's church. You and I are a part of God's capital C church. Now we, we use the word church inter- interchangeably in all sorts of different circumstances, but what I'm saying here in this instance is the, 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 the a body of Christ, the capital C church. That means that all people in the world who are saved, who are children of God, who are brothers and sisters, our brothers and sisters in Christ, are a part of this capital C church. Now we are also part of North Haven Church, this local church, and I hope that if, if you haven't called North Haven your home, you can either commit to doing that, or you can find a church that could be your home church, but what we're talking about right now in this instance is that you and I are a part of God's church, that is, you and I who are saved, who have made the decision to follow Jesus and make him the leader of our life, we're part of the church of God. So let's look a little bit at how the Apostle Paul describes the capital C church in Ephesians chapter 4. Now as we're going through these, these, um, these scripture references, we're helping you out. They're going to be on the screen so you can just you know, stay on with the live feed and look at that. Or if you have a Bible um, handy in your hands, so you can certainly turn to that as well and follow along. Or you, if you want, you can go to a Bible app. It's, you know, If you're watching on your computer, you can open that up at the same time. I'm sure you've got that all figured out by now. So Ephesians chapter 4, verses 10 through 16. Let's read these verses together and look at how the Apostle Paul begins to describe what it is that we're addressing and talking about here. So starting with verse 10. Jesus, the one who descended, is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. All right, there's a lot there. We're going to unpack a little bit about that as we explore what it means to be a part of God's church, as you and I are, for those of us who are saved, who are believers in Jesus Christ. The first is this, as the church, Paul mentions here, that as a church, we are to be built up And we are no longer to remain infants. We are no longer to remain in our infancy. But rather, Paul then goes on to say, we are to become God's people who grow and mature. Who not reside and remain in our infancy, but rather grow in our maturity and understanding of who God is and who we are 
and what it is that he has planned and purpose for us. Paul also says in regards to the church, the capital C church, as to which we are, brothers and sisters in Christ, children of the Almighty God, that Jesus is the head of the body of Christ. When we say the body of Christ, we're saying the capital C church, we the children of God. And as Jesus is the head, we are then also joined together as the body. And we're joined by the ligaments of the body. We'll talk a little bit more about what that means further on in the series. And that we are building up, we are built up in the church through love. And that is that the world would see the love that is embodied in us because we are joined together as Jesus Christ is the head, the body of Christ, the capital C church. That is the ideal reality, the ideal reality of God's church, the meaning that when we're working on all, when we're firing on all cylinders, right, that is what we're what we're doing, we are, we are being built up. We are growing and maturing. We, we recognize that Jesus is the head of the body and that we are joined together and that the world and those that are on the outside, those that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, they see us as the embodiment of God's love. When we are firing on all cylinders, when we are the church that God has designed for us to be, that is who we are. All right, so you and I, when we are believers in Jesus Christ, when we commit our lives to follow him, the Bible tells us that we are saved. We are then a child of God, and then we have brothers and sisters in Christ, of which we are. And then we are the body of Christ. We are the big church, and that ideally we are, we are doing what it is that I just listed out. We are, we, so the ideal, the ideal church in God's perspective is for us to be built up, for, for us to grow and to mature, for us to be joined together, and for us to be building ourselves up in love, to be recognized in the world by the love of God. We need to understand and explore the final part of this passage, though, this Ephesians chapter 4 passage, because Paul, he lays out in these verses 10 through 16 some key components of what the ideal church should be known for, should be doing, right? But that at the very end of this passage, Paul puts in something that is super important and is really going to then propel us into what it is that we're going to explore over the next four weeks. At the end of this passage, right at the end of verse 16, this is, what, this is what Paul says. He says, each part does its work. Each part does its work. Now the context of that is, is in verse 16, Paul says, from him the whole body, so the whole body that is the church, right, that Paul has been talking about, we are joined together and held together by every supporting ligament. We grow and we build ourselves up in love as each part, as each part of the body does its work. Each part. You see, that's, that's one of the key components that, that we need to really embrace here this morning. And again, what it is that we're going to move forward in exploring over the next four weeks. Not only are you and I a part of God's church, right, because we're children of the Almighty God, but also you and I are uniquely, individually wired, gifted, 
called and placed. You and I, every single part of the body of Christ, each part does its work. We are all individually and uniquely wired, called, gifted, and placed. And as such, as Paul says, we're responsible because we are all each uniquely and individually wired and gifted, called, and placed, we are responsible to do our work, to do the work that God has intended for us. So let's look now at what the Apostle Peter says about this in in chapter 4, verses 10 through 11. Again, this will be on the screen in front of you. Each of you should use whatever gift, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, in the various ways that God individually and uniquely wires and gifts us and calls us and places us. Verse 11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Each one of you, each one of us, as members of the body of Christ, we are called to do the work that God has placed in our lives. We're not to run in every direction, but we are to live life with purpose, to go in the direction that God has purposed for us, and to understand that we are all individually and uniquely wired, called, gifted, and placed. And as such, we have a unique place within the church. We talked about how we're a part of something bigger, but in that bigger scheme of things, we also have a unique place within it and a unique place within the workings of North Haven. That's a big part of what it is that I want to help us understand is how is God not only wanting to purpose you in your, in your life, in your wiring, in your gifting, your calling, your place, in, in whatever context you're in, but how is God uh, leading you, how has he purposed you here at North Haven because of your wiring, because of your gifting, because of your calling, and because of your place. You have a unique place here at North Haven. See, we need to think about the work that God has given for us individually. And then we begin to see the aspects involved that make that up. So during this series, we're going to look at those four components. So next week, we're going to, we're going to explore what does it mean when we talk about your wiring, your personality. You know, how is it that you interact with others? God has made us all uniquely different. You don't have to be in your family long to understand that that is true. We are all very different people. We're all wired uniquely and purposefully. Now, we're all you're, we're all individually uniquely called as well as Peter and Paul were both mentioning that your gifting, I'm sorry, your gifting, we're all uniquely gifted, that is your spiritual gifts, the gifts that God bestows upon us through the Holy Spirit to do the work that he's called us to do for his sake. And then your calling, we are all uniquely called. And that is a part of our passions and our experiences and, and our placement now, like where is it that God has us now? All that stuff will come into understanding your calling. And then that 
that all leads us to understanding your place. What is your place in the church? What, what function is God leading you purposefully to fulfill? So these things point to that. So to what end? Why is that important? Why in the world will we spend the next four weeks discovering what it is that your wiring is, your gifting, and your calling, and your place? What is the reason as to why we are all uniquely and individually wired, gifted, placed, and called? What's the point? Well, we're going to explore a little bit about that here today. Again, to set the stage and to get us primed and ready for what I believe is going to be an experience of awakening in our lives. So that in that video clip that we saw with Seabiscuit, when he's not running with purpose, he's not running in a, in a direction that's purposed. Rather, he's going in every direction to learn how to be a child of the Almighty God, for that is what we are. Not to live lives on purpose, but to live lives with purpose. So we see the first answer to this question as to why it is that we are uniquely and individually wired, gifted, called, and placed. We see that in that passage in 1 Peter 10 through 11 in verse 10. The first thing is this, to serve others. To serve others. Now, I, I know how to ride a bike. I learned how to ride a bike when I was a little kid, and, you know, it doesn't take me long to, obviously, you hear that phrase, right? It's just like getting on a bike. Well, I took my bike down from storage a few days ago, and I rode it again after not having ridden it since last year and didn't seem to lose any steps. But my son, he still had yet to really learn how to ride his bike. And we tried a little bit last year and it didn't really it didn't really connect. And so a few days ago we decided, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do this. And so Aiden and I we got out and and we spent a couple hours and and I'm trying to, you know, encourage him and teach him a little bit as to and you know, I have the experience, you know, I know how to ride the bike. I, I rode my bike around him too to kind of show him what it is that, that he can aspire to. And after some time, you know, he finally started to ride his bike on his very own. What a seminal moment as a parent, right? Isn't that awesome to be able to see your kid ride their bike for the first time? A big part of that was not only his skill set coming into fruition, but a lot of it was my experience, my ability, and being able to serve him and to show him what it is that he could do. And I got to tell you this, quick sidestep, my son had asked me to share this message with you. So after he learned how to ride his bike, we got back to the house and I'm working out in the backyard. He comes out and he says, he says, Daddy, um, when you talk to the church this Sunday, will you tell them that I learned how to ride my bike? I said, yeah, yeah, dude, I'll totally do that. And then he said, we tell them this too, that at first I was really scared but but then I, I understood that I had to believe in myself and, and tell, tell everybody else that they, they should believe in themselves. I said, okay, buddy, you got it. I'm going to share that message because that's a great message. 
So getting back on track, serving my son, helping him through my own experience and my understanding of what it means to ride a bike, you know, helping him achieve that as well. We are given these things, this wiring, gifting, calling, and place to serve others. See, the church is not just made up of one person. It is a collection of other brothers and sisters in Christ who are also uniquely and individually wired and gifted and called and placed. And one of the reasons it's important to understand how those things specifically apply to our life is that God intends for those things to be used to actually serve others in the church as well. That is your wiring, your gifting, your calling, and your place in, in, this, in, in the church, in the body of Christ, is instilled within you, is given to you, so that you will use those things to build others up, to serve them, to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. See, God not only does that in our lives, but he's designed the individuals within the church to do that as well, to serve others. And then further in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, we get another inclination as to why it is that we are all wired uniquely and individually, that we are all gifted uniquely and individually and called and placed uniquely and individually. In verse 11, it says this, so that... God may be praised, so that God may be praised. You know, we receive gifts a lot of times, you know, for our birthdays or whether it's, uh, uh, you know, Christmas. You know, some of you, you know, a lot of you probably got the stimulus check and, and maybe some of you decided to use that to get something for yourself, right? You know, we get gifts and a lot of times the mentality is that gift is for us. Even when we talk about grace, so we talk about it as, as a gift, as something that is given to us, an unmerited favor and and God expects nothing back other than our obedience, right? So it's a free gift of grace, the free gift of, gra- uh, free gift of grace. But when we think about this, when we think about how it is that we are uniquely wired and gifted and called and placed, it isn't for our benefit. We saw before how it is to serve others, but listen, I'm a big superhero fan. I love superheroes, and one of my favorite superheroes is Flash. And I can't help but think, you know, so he was given this, this gift, right, this superhero gift. And that, if you look at, in the comics, if you bought a, a, a Flash comic or if you saw a Flash movie or TV show, and the whole show was him using his gift to just serve his purposes, to run as fast as he could to the fridge and back to the couch before the commercial break was over, that would just be boring, right? It would be pointless. No, we read those comments, comics and we watch those movies because he's using those gifts to serve others for other people's benefit and not his own. And that is, should be our mentality as well. And in this specific instance, we have these gifts, we have these, this wiring, we have this calling in this place so that God may be praised. So that God may be praised. You see, God is the ultimate goal in all things. Whether, whether we like that or not, Whether we're comfortable with that or not, whether we can even wrap our minds around that or not is not the point. The point is that it is true, that God is the ultimate goal, in that your wiring, your gifting, your calling, and your place 
are most importantly instilled within you and me so that we will get busy with giving God the glory that he so rightly deserves. You see, he's not only the originator of those things, he's the one that has given us our wiring. He's the one that has given us our, the, the spiritual gifts. He's the one that has given us our calling. He's the one that has given us our place and has purposed us to go in the direction that he's set before us. But he's also the primary recipient. He's the originator of these things and he's the primary recipient. Our individual wiring and gifting and calling in place that God has given us is strategically inserted into our lives by God so that, and when we go back to what Paul was saying as to what the church is, so that the church will be built up so that the church will grow and mature, so that the church will be joined together, and so that the church will be built up in love and known for the love of God. And so when the church is built up, when it grows and when it matures, when it is joined together and when it builds up in itself in love, the world will experience what Paul says in verse 13 of chapter 4, the knowledge of the Son of God will be revealed. The knowledge of the Son of God will be revealed. You see, when it comes to grips with our wiring and our gifting and our calling and our place, there's an equation here that's important for you and I to understand. And that's why it's so critical for us to really dive in and explore these four aspects of our lives. Because when we understand it, when you understand how it is that you're wired, when you understand how it is that God has given you spiritual gifts through the Holy Spirit, when it is that you understand that God has called you, and when it is that you understand that God has placed you, when that becomes a reality in your life, then the church is built up. Then the church grows and matures. Then the church becomes enjoined and then the church is known for its love. But it starts with us understanding that we're given these things to serve others and to glorify and praise God. And then when the church is built up, when it matures, when it grows, when it becomes enjoined and when it's known for its love, then the knowledge of Jesus is revealed to the world. But it starts with us. It starts by you and me refusing to, to run fast in every direction, to live life on purpose, right? To, to just kind of go through the motions with our work, with church, with the Christian life. To shed that idea of life and instead live life with purpose, to really dive into the fact that yes, you are a child of God and yes, because of that, you are a part of the, of the body of Christ, the church. You are a part of something that's bigger than you and me. But, but you are also individually and uniquely wired, gifted, called, and placed. And that coming to grips with that is integral in order for the church to be healthy, to grow and mature, to build itself up in love and to be known and to make Jesus known.
We need to remember what we were born to do. We need to learn how to become children of the Almighty God, for that is what we are. And that is ultimately then how we stop living lives on purpose. And we start living lives with purpose. Jesus knew this. God himself in John 3.16 loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world. Why? Because you are his. You are his. You and I are seen individually and uniquely through the eyes of God. That should blow your mind when you think about that. The idea that there's an almighty God, the creator, the holy and majestic creator of the universe knows you uniquely and individually. He knows how you're wired. He has given you spiritual gifts. He has placed in your life a calling, a passion for his purpose. And he has placed you purposely in the church. All these things are true of you. All these things are true of me. And that love so embodied God, so drove God that he did what is just an unthinkable thing but the only necessary way in which for us to have life, and that was to send His Son, Jesus Christ, to give His life for you and me. Because we could not, an imperfect and unholy humanity, we could not get to God. God had to come to us. And He did that through His Son, Jesus. And so as we do the first Sunday of each month, we participate in communion together, remembering that tremendous sacrifice that Christ became. See, on that night that Jesus was betrayed, before it was that he was tried, before he was led, carrying his cross to the place that he would be crucified, before he ultimately died on the cross, before he was then buried, and before he would then three days later raise from the dead, defeating death. He was with his disciples in the upper room. And at this moment, his disciples, they were, they were anticipating, they were ex excited about, about the, the Messiah in their mind and in their heart who would, as Jesus, go into the city and Jerusalem and proclaim his majesty, become the physical king that would sit on a physical throne sending the Romans away, getting, shedding the oppressive regime that the Roman government had laid siege to the Israelites. But that's not what Jesus had in mind. Jesus has been talking about dying and then raising from the dead, and they, they couldn't understand that to save their lives. And in this moment in the upper room, and Jesus was with his disciples, he he took the bread and he said, this here, 
this is my body. This is broken for you. This is battered and bruised for you. We have the benefit of hindsight to know what Jesus was talking about. That his body would be sacrificed on that cross for you and for me. And in that moment, Jesus said to his disciples, and he said to us, do this in remembrance of me. And then Jesus took the cup and he said, this here, this is my blood shed for you, poured out for you. And again, we have the benefit of hindsight and we know that Jesus was talking about the blood that would pour because of his sacrifice on the cross. And in that moment, Jesus said, remember me. He's saying that to us. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this church. Thank you for this this place. The, the physical resources, yes, of course, but more importantly, the, uh, the people, the brothers and sisters in Christ, the children of God who have called this, this place, North Haven, their home. Thank you, Lord, that, that I have the privilege of doing life with them. And I pray that as the church, as North Haven, Lord, that we would, that we would be courageous, that we would be intentional, Lord, that we would be committed and obedient to being the church, to doing what it is that you called us to. But Lord, I pray first that we would come before you and we would invite you to speak to us in such a way in which our, our wiring, how it is, Lord, that you've uniquely and individually wired us, Lord, how it is that that is real. And, and Lord, that we would explore and embrace the spiritual gifts that you've given us and that we would explore and embrace the calling that you played, placed on each of our individual lives and then how it is that you have placed each of us uniquely and individually here in this church for such a time as this. And once we come to grips with that, once we fully embrace how we are individually and uniquely wired and gifted, called and placed, then the church, this place that is North Haven, we will be built up, we will grow, we will mature, we will, we will enjoin together in unity and that the world, this community, those who are unsaved will know your love because we are the church, being the church. We look forward to what it is that you have in store. Continue to guide and direct us. We love you. We pray all this in your name. 
amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us here today. My apologies again for the glitches earlier, but we get through that. You know, we're all trying to be as flexible as we can in the midst of all this. Just a couple more reminders. Alex mentioned this before, but next Sunday is our drive-in Mother's Day service. It's going to be a fantastic time. Like Alex said, pray for good weather. And, uh, and then also, um, we're going to continue to uh, pray and, and think through how it is that we're going to begin to open up church again. Uh, we can't wait to see you face to face, but we want to do that in a way that is discerning and wise and um, uh, helpful and safe. So pray for us, provide any insight or ideas that you might have. But until we can see each other next time, God bless and have a wonderful day.